0: Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review
1: hosted by Zeke Jangeris. Welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga review. The podcast dedicated to bringing our listeners, the artists and writers that are part of this renaissance of creativity, giving us stories to entertain and inspire us. But we have something a little different for you today. We're going into the academic track. We've heard of girls like Modica, Lyrica, Ilya, Sally and Sakura. These are the young maidens that we've all grown to love as they battle the forces of evil while balancing their everyday school life and running with toasts in their mouth. We are joined here by Nadana, who decided to take this academic step a little further and wrote a master's thesis based on the magical girls genre. And I'd like to welcome you today uh, to the podcast. Thank you for joining me.
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: So uh, let's let's start off with the beginning. Why Magical Girls?
0: Uh, oh God, that is a very funny story. Uh, well, my journey with Magical Girls starts with many uh, other fans of the genre where as it started back in the mid nineties, I wanna say 1995 uh, in the States, uh, I came home from, uh, high school one day. I was in my sophomore year. I was starting a new school. Uh, it was a really crazy time. And then I went to the living room and I thought I'm just going to zone out and watch TV before I, uh, do my homework as many teenagers are pretty much doing at that point. I don't know. They if they still, still doing do- it now. No,
1: Oh yeah. They still do it, but they also <laughs> are watching TV on their phones during yeah. class while they're doing their work so it, it, they've they've just waited they just skip the part about going home first before they watch tv and do their work <laughs>
0: exactly um, and so this blonde haired blue-eyed huge blue-eyed girl appears on my tv screen with her meatballs on her head and I'm just like oh my god what is this like it was it was such a, it, it sounds so like, like are you kidding me? Like you, you just saw a girl with big eyes and it's like it changed your life, but literally changed my life uh, because it was the first time I'd ever seen a, um, a series or like, I don't want to, I know it's called anime, but at that time, like before I knew it was anime, it was like a cartoon I'd never seen before. And it featured a teenage girl with superpowers Kicking all sorts of butt, but also having to deal with her home, like do her homework, or getting bad grades on a test, or having to deal with her parents or her bratty younger brother. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Like you had the She Ras, and you had Wonder Woman, and you had other, you know, uh, female sort of uh, superheroes in Western animation. But you'd never seen anybody that was close to your age, and I was fifteen at the time. The first time I ever saw the Dick, DIC dub of Sailor Moon, uh, obviously I'm talking about Sailor Moon, and it was it was it was it was like it was a game changer. It was a shift. Uh, like Power Rangers by then were very popular at that time, um, but to see it with an all-girl, color-coded superhero fighting team. It was it was something I'd never seen before, and I like I just remember running home every day and watching it and checking out the story and seeing that it was more than just fighting the bad guys. It was you know girls being friendly and you know fostering the bonds of friendship and you know the romance between Usagi and Mamoru, uh you know being forefront and center to the plot. You know there was a bit of an air of maturity to it that by then, like the monster of the week shows even with Power Rangers, I'd never seen before. And it like, it stayed with me. And then one day it was all gone because it was canceled because it didn't get enough, like, you know, um, uh, ratings. And then it uh, it showed up again on Toonami uh, in the States. I want to say like late 299, early 2000, and then uh, mixed before it became Tokyo Pop uh released the first version of the translated manga and it was like sailor moon was just like pretty much a part of my life the same way that other sort of cartoons such as like he-man or she-ra were at that time um so when i was when i finally got around to going to to university uh by then i was a single mom and with my son who was i want to say four at the time Um, I decided in my final year I was going to do um, an honors thesis uh, because I really wanted to be an academic and I really wanted to do research and by then I was already cemented as an anime fan and I noticed that there wasn't a lot of anime centered research done by fans like you have the academics that see it as oh this is something that's interesting that's happening in popular culture I'm going to look at it but you don't have the ones that have to eventually disclose that they are fans so i really wanted to do that and uh but you know it's magical girls there isn't a lot of research at it at the time i think it's very different now but there wasn't a lot and i was like nobody's going to let me do this like there isn't there's no possibility that anyone's going to let me do this and (laughs) (laughs) surprise surprise somebody in the department agreed to be my supervisor and he's like oh no i find this interesting like uh I wanted to look at magical girls. I wanted to look at their narrative. I wanted to look at how they're different, how they're similar and different to usual sort of hero narratives. But I also wanted to see, to, to look at, you know, how they sort of like turn it on its head. And like, it cause it's different from like, um, when it comes to Charles sorry uh, oh god I can't you said his name and now I've completely forgot about it but like the monomyth and like the hero's journey
1: Joseph like it's Campbell bir-
0: Joseph Campbell there we go I've
1: Char- so Charles, many <laughs> Charles Dunbar would be a different academic
0: exactly. even though he and I have talked many 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 hours about Dun- without about Joseph Campbell um but and, and then when I was also in a, a folklore and a contemporary culture, we talked a lot about Joseph Campbell, but I saw this and I'm like, this is a good sort of like starting point, but there are differences in, in terms of like how a woman, how it applies when the her- hero is a heroine. And it's, and I wanted to really look at that. And I also wanted to look at why, well, not just, I know it's, it's there are fans that are, that, a very a very uh, I- various identities, but I wanted to look at why they appealed so much to the young girls that they were written to and by, in Japan and then eventually globally. Um, so that's where I started and I was able to do that for my final uh, for my uh, final year in university. And I said, you know what? you can only do so much. I really would like to take this on um, with my masters but it's tricky because again masters the if you can't find a supervisor that's not interested in your subject you're not going to get accepted yeah. but i got i found somebody who was very much into it uh my su- my um uh, my my supervisor uh Uh, Dr. Cody Colton, who is very much into uh, Japanese theater, including uh, Takarazuka Review, which is, you may know, but you may not know, it's the all-female theater review that's in Takarazuka, Japan. Um, And he was very interested in my um, thesis subject, so he agreed to take me on. And it was, the rest was history from there.
1: hey uh don't never be like oh this worried about you know a transforming moment so to speak when you Mm -hmm. had that first encounter uh Mm -hmm. for me it was 80 1983 uh seeing my first episode of macross
0: oh blew
1: my mind people died yes (laughs) in in the opening episode i'm like people are I mean, like half the planet is being blown up and people are dying. This doesn't, I've never seen this in cartoons before. And so that, that, that cemented me. That, that got me and it still has me today. So, uh, I, I, I get it. You can have that, oh my God moment when you're watching something and you're like, dude, this is, this is every, this is, this has changed my world and I won't look at things the same way again. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's for me. It's been a love uh, since '83, and uh, that leads me to interviewing as many people as I can about uh, the about these genres. Mm-hmm. So, you you were talking about applying like the the myth narrative that mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell set up, and I, I know he's become more controversial uh, in the modern era because his Myth, his mythos uh, structure s- focuses solely on the hero, and hero in the masculine sense, not in mm. the non-gendered sense. Right. So, what is the, what is this the arc that you've seen represented repeatedly? I guess. I mean, as they say, there's no new stories in Hollywood. So, mm-hmm. I imagine a hero's story is whether it's male or female. There's there's a lot of similarities.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I had to address that in my thesis in, and I actually spent a good deal of my research finding articles talking, addressing that because it is very masculine because if you think there's this talk about how the hero, you know, is fighting and his bloodshed and is being very like aggressive toward their enemies while they are going for the spoils and ascending to godhood or, or uh, apotheosis. Uh, whereas it's a little bit different when it comes to um, female, a female or heroine centered uh, because a, the, the heroine may not necessarily even want to like it like there's this idea that the hero is going to be reluctant to do this journey and, you know, if he doesn't do it, then it's automatically, you know, it ends. no. And more often than that, there's a reluctance to getting involved. It's like, oh no, 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 no! Like you see it in Sailor Moon. You kind of see it in Cardcaptor Sakura. You kind of see it in um in um Tokyo Mew Mew. Just basically this whole sort of I don't want to I uh, I hate to say it because it, it's it uh, as the series go on, obviously it's not true, but this sort of self-centered sort of Thing like, oh no, I don't want to be your hero. I just want to get new clothes, or I want a boyfriend, or I want, you know, I I want to get a good grade on a test, or you know, well, um,
1: Usagi in general was very <laughs> is very uh, selfish, especially yes. in the early days. Yes, <laughs> um, and for some people that was a big turnoff because you're yeah. like, stop, stop whining. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, especially in the first episode, she weakened, literally weakens the first Yoma because she wouldn't stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> Which I always found to be hilarious, but so very true to her character. And um, But in, in terms of that, I think the main point, as, I, as I'm trying to think of my thesis right now, it's that um, there's definitely more of an, an effort for the heroine to be, not only more concerned with herself, but to be more concerned with others that are sharing in her journey. Um, and it's not just Sailor Moon, but there's just a lot more of an effort to be more protective of the people who have agreed to uh, be there with you, or or who have agreed to like fight for you. Like I guess in tr- it, it the thing that's just kind of popping into my mind is is the whole thing with like i guess the lord of the ring the whole you have my bow and you have my axe well you know usagi has all of her companions who with their different abilities but even though they're they're they've pledged their loyalty to her she literally gives her life or you know is very very protective of them um, and I guess that's kind of like, a, you could sort of see that as sort of a mother sort of. Yeah, complex. Is it?
1: do you think of it's like a, a maternal layer yes. that they've added to this hero idea?
0: Absolutely. Um, and also, I also talk about the idea of, there's this idea that at the end of the journey, the masculine hero ascends to godhood or ascends to like a higher plane of existence. Whereas in a lot of these narratives, the the person is sort of already the goddess herself she just kind of needs time to realize it's like Dorothy from um the, the Wizard of Oz she had to take go through that journey to realize that she had the ability to go home the entire time yes yes whereas like with Sailor Moon she wasn't just the 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 soldier of love and justice she was also Princess Serenity and she, you know she all had these powers within her um it's and then you know I, I haven't I've read so much of Cardcaptor Sakura, but it's like a lot of it kind of like, um, you know, like there's so much I've forgotten, but you kind of get that idea too. It's like, she's not just a person sealing these cards and putting them back in their place. Eventually she becomes the master herself. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that's this idea that you were the goddess all along. You just had to go through this journey in order to uh, realize that. And while there are fight scenes and there, and, and I know like even the darker ones, it can get pretty crazy. There's also more of an effort not to necessarily subdue your enemy, but to also embrace them or to like use that sort of maternal love and care to help them see the error of their ways and to, to like heal, them, eventually come to healing themselves.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, kind of, um, I I know Sakura does that on Mm -hmm. more than one occasion where she reaches out and it's, she's convincing the cards Mm -hmm. to uh, see the error of their ways maybe, or to work with her instead of against her. And by doing that, she can grant them some freedom as opposed to being locked away in a book. And I I found that, you know, in, in a way it, you kind of feel stereotypical because the woman wants to talk things through, doesn't she? Where the man just wants to beat it with a stick. So, you know, I really, uh, I appreciate that each of these, uh, the, the, the part of this mythos, the part of these mm-hmm. characters is that it's as much a personal development. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, a, it's a personal, emotional development of the character for them more than the because you know guys we compartmentalize we can be like you know we're we're a little bit more like uh bruce campbell from the evil dead than <laughs> you know than uh and getting in touch with our feelings as we're fighting the monsters so yeah,
0: yeah and, and i discussed that like this it's one thing to transform into their to their magical girl avatar but it's not just them transforming it's like their whole like they're not the same person at the beginning that they are at the end. Yes. And it's because this entire journey has transformed them and the experiences that they have to, to endure, it's not always good either. There are going to be times where they fail or there are going to be times where they're defeated and they have to go back and regroup. But at the very end of the day, it transforms them not only into this superhero with infinite abilities, but to a more well, well-rounded well like just to a better to become a better individual um and you even see that in the old g series such as uh sally the witch or uh uh princess knight where you know prince she was princess sapphire was already a pretty considerate person because of the position she was in yeah um but if you read uh the follow-up or the sequel the the twin knights you know she she is a uh, she accepts her role as being queen of uh Oh, it is a gold land or something like that. But when it comes time to teach her daughter to fight and take on the enemies, she's quickly quick to say, hey, you know what? I'm also the princess knight. So you see that growth throughout her journey where she's not just this person who happens to look like a guy, but she's also very becomes very caring and very. But she's also.
1: we'll we'll come back to actually princess knight in a minute um but i want to talk about a little bit about the transformation something i in your paper that i found fascinating is that Mm -hmm. the idea of the transformation from the young girl to this other avatar Mm -hmm. basically made it acceptable Mm -hmm. for the girl to have the powers Mm -hmm. to do the do the more manly things do the fighting mm-hmm. because she was now she wasn't the shojo anymore. She right. was the superhero. And so when she was transformed, it was acceptable for her to fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if she was not transformed, she was expected to be the, uh, yeah. the good daughter, the good student. Yeah. She was expected to be all those things, but because she could transform that transformation made her, uh, it made it acceptable that she would uh, would be able to take on the yeah. evils of the world. Yes. It's just, a, I found that a very fascinating concept that it, it's kind of like, I don't know, you know, putting on a, a, a mustache and, you know, groucho <laughs> glasses and,
0: yeah,
1: you know, walking around pretending you're a doctor. I mean, is
0: it's really interesting because in in Japan there's this this sort of like like as I was doing the research there's definitely a paper trail and in, in that there are these instances where uh if like there's when you say shojo there's like an immediate idea as to what it is like the term itself was originally, like as we know it was originally coined in, during the Meiji era and you know it's this idea it's not just girl it's this idea of a girl uh, who's supposed to be, uh, you know, wise and caring, but also defaults to, you know, a patriarchy or just like, uh, you know, very innocent and sweet. But, yes. you know, like a withering, like a, a good sort of uh, image is the idea of the lily in, okay. in that they use the lily to to represent things that were innocent and, you know, like just anything that encompasses the idea of femininity and yes
1: the uh, the sense. ideal feminine mm-hmm. you know chaste etc <laughs> you know
0: meanwhile there's this idea that um if you do anything that steps out of that space of the shojo, you're kind of in this liminal space where you're not a girl you're not a guy but you're kind of uh i want to there's an academic and i can't remember the name But they, in their paper, they said that there's this liminal space when, like, if there's any sort of transformation from a shoujo to something else, that they're suddenly in this liminal space where they have a mixture of feminine and masculine traits, but they're not one, nor are they the other. There's something in between. A good example of this is the Takarazaka the ones who are the otokoyaku or the the women who play the male roles in that they have that androgynous look that kind of signifies that they aren't women like they when they're in the role they aren't women they aren't men but there's something in between so even though they're like in this avatar and they're you know they are coded as male they are able to do things in that role that as a musumeyaku or you know the female roles they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to do because i really hope my i really hope my supervisor doesn't hear this because um excuse me (laughs) yeah well here's here's
1: the here's an interesting parallel though i mean Hmm. think about uh 16th century england and Mm -hmm. how defined gender roles were Mm -hmm a man who got up on stage and dressed as a woman Mm
0: -hmm.
1: playing a romantic role across Mm -hmm. from another man Mm
0: -hmm.
1: was not um was not viewed as uh homosexual was not viewed as uh something that was there was something wrong with this person because they dressed and acted like a woman yeah because of the situation they were in because their role was that of a woman on stage at the globe theater yeah. they were accepted as something else as an actor when they exactly. were in the in that role now mm-hmm. you could almost even apply that to I really one of the we were talking about conventions before we started and one of the parts I love about the convention space is the acceptance mm-hmm. of that space oh yeah and that as I say, if you are a 40 year old, 300 pound man, and you want to dress as a magical girl, you can dress as a magical girl and no one will say anything about it because Mm -hmm. at the convention, that is your chance because maybe on the inside, you are a magical girl. And that is the only time you get to be who you really feel comfortable being. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of my favorite parts of the convention space.
0: I had that moment where I actually cosplayed one year as Mistress Nine and I just remember being terrified because up until then I cosplayed as Pokemon so and then (laughs) Mistress Nine is a very striking like villain character with the long hair and the nails and everything and I and I was terrified that I would not be able to do this. But when I put everything on and I had my makeup on and I had the wig on and everything, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, "I am Mistress Snide." <laughs> and and it was it was such an amazing feeling to to have that. Yeah, and that's exactly I think what's going on here, because um, if if you look at most magical girl series, they look they are cute. They are in like some of the cutest outfits I've ever seen. Like if you look at Precure, those outfits are so. Freaking cute! Yes. But those girls will punch you into the unit, like they'll punch you into space.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yes.
0: (laughs) Like one of my favorite scenes was from Go Princess Precure, where in the first episode, uh, like Cure Flora, she's in this beautiful princess frock, and she just takes her fist and goes bam, and you see the enemy just flying in the air, and I'm like, I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think that those outfits are part of, uh, well, they've become representative of mm-hmm. the magical girl genre, period. I mean, you can't be a magical girl and dress in be all drab. Um, <laughs> but it, I, I think that, that the frilliness of the outfits is almost to uh, balance out the violence of their... Be- their violence that they're not that is not being the cute little girl it's mm-hmm. you need to dress more cute like the skill the, the cuter your dress the more violent you can be
0: i certainly feel like that's how it is with more recent um anime uh, and i and this the trend of the dark magical girl uh with earlier ones there's de- also definitely a sort of thing uh like uh, with street fashion at the time with like the coal gals you know yeah. they're wearing their cute their their girly things but there's also kind of daring and yeah. you know sexy and that's translated to things like sailor moon and whatnot but uh but yeah there's there's a uh, there's definitely um I feel like now I mean I feel like it was long established because even the the very first Magical Girls in, in uh, Mahotsukai Sally and no Ako-chan, they were very cute. And and I feel like even Cutie Honey, which is one of the more, which even though it was released in the 70s, is still one of the most daring Magical girl series I've <laughs> ever seen or read in my life. There's still an element of cuteness to it.
1: The, you well, know, the, the 70s were a crazy time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 70s Magical girl series were were a trip yeah <laughs> uh shout out to aaron cerise uh on youtube who does this amazing series called uh maho uh maho profile which i i, I really like looking at because that's my jam so <laughs> <laughs> um well
1: okay uh, let, uh, let's uh, uh as i said we'll talk about princess Knight for a minute and
0: mm-hmm.
1: how do you find it? princess Knight is a perfect example of a the magical girl genre especially has been picked up as like a, a, a torch to bear by the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that has to do with this, this idea of transformation of becoming who you truly are? It's a long journey to be mm-hmm. to, for a lot of people to come out. Mm-hmm. And when they finally come out, mm-hmm. it, it's who they were all the, all along, but it yeah. took a very long journey to get there. And that can kind of parallel your sense of you know she was the goddess all along
0: mm-hmm. uh i think with a lot of magical girl series they have done something that a lot of people are only just catching up to now and that they provide oh they provide representations of characters of different orientations that they would have otherwise not seen before yeah. um like for instance, uh, definitely um, Haruka in uh, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Uh, just I feel like I I've always read, even though she goes by she/her, depending on where you. It depends on where you read it because it's very different. It's one thing in the manga and it's another thing in the anime. But uh, I, I've always sort of kind of read her as non-binary,
1: okay.
0: uh, in that you you see her in like the male sort of school uniform looking very handsome. Yes. But then she looks very beautiful when she's transformed into uh uh Sailor Uranus. And they're both her. Like they are there's like one side, like they're both like there's not one part of like there's it's not one or the other. It's both. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yes. Uh And it's the same thing with Princess Knight. And the thing about Princess Knight that I very much found fascinating um, was that there is this I don't want to say angst, but you definitely see Sapphire trying to negotiate both sides of her personality. Because obviously, due to the plot, she is seen as a prince, but when she sees uh, her, you know, love interest, she realizes, you know, if I were a, a princess, it would be so easy to be with him. But she also likes being the prince too. Yeah. And and I love how much, as this, as much as there's so much swashbuckling, you see her dealing with this. And I don't think a lot of people, especially when it comes to, like it's catching up now in the West, but there's so much more to be done. I think um, these particular um series allowed a lot of fans to see something that they really didn't see before on you know the media that they're so used to and when you see that representation on the page it really helps to negotiate your personality a lot I I I don't want to get too much into my um my origin story but I will say a lot of 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 uh Haruka as a person helped me to realize things about myself that I I had ideas about but I don't think I was in a safe space to figure that out for myself and then once I was in a safe space to figure it out it helped me realize a lot of things that I uh that I I I wanted to think about before but I didn't think that I had the right to I didn't think it was safe to
1: okay
0: and but To see, but I know, especially during the 2000s when Sailor Moon was very popular on Toonami uh, and they finally released Sailor Moon S and Super S because before it only like went to halfway to R and then finally like, oh no, we're going to release these episodes. And then they ended up making them cousins, which just made things worse, but I love the memes. (laughs) But to see, but there's something about seeing that as a person And I don't want to like to see that is helpful because if you see something or see or experience somebody who is similar to you it helps with negotiating your own identity and I don't and um I'm kind of sad that for me the the English release of Princess Knight kind of went under the radar which is fine because you know not not everybody recognizes it as a magical girl series they kind of recognize it as the blue blue blueprint to magical girl series Like Uh, right but to see but i think it's really helpful for someone to see their sort of struggle on a medium that they enjoy that they that helps them to realize much about what they're going through and and it's also just helpful to see that there are people even out there writing about it because when you are, when you are not in the mainstream,
1: yeah,
0: it's, sometimes you just kind of wonder: are there? It's like, is there anybody doing that, or is anybody talking about these things? And shoujo manga has always had this history where they have, uh, which is why I really like not just magical girls. Uh, series but shojo or girls comics in general they've always had this thing where they've talked about it especially like between the, like uh late 50s to like uh literally 80s during the golden age of manga so i i uh i really think it's helpful
1: hey, uh there's you know and, and i know listeners are probably bored of this story at this point but one of <laughs> my favorite moments ever has been uh otakon Couple of years ago, during Charlotte's, Charlottesville was going on, mm-hmm. uh, where you had the Nazis marching in the streets. Oh no! And I was at Khan at the Sailor Moon photo shoot. Mm-hmm. The most diverse, mm-hmm. beautiful moment ever for me. It, to contrast the two things, uh, of you know, you know, you had the most diverse group of people all coming together because they loved one thing Mm -hmm. and it was beautiful and uh that was I was like that's the world I'd rather raise a child in Mm -hmm. is this this atmosphere of love and understanding than what's going on you know a couple hours south of me so it was yeah it's Sailor Moon has brought a lot of people together Mm -hmm. Sailor the the story has um, been embraced by everybody uh, that uh, if if they have felt as an outsider I mean I know this from a friend of mine in high school Uh, he's uh, passed since but Mm -hmm. you know he was he loved Sailor Moon probably got into it just like you did and Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where he didn't come out uh, of the closet until years later, mm-hmm. but he probably never saw anything that he could identify with growing up in a rural environment like I did, until mm-hmm. he saw Sailor Moon, and that was it became like his 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 totem of you know this gave him a sense of empowerment. So, yeah, I was uh, you know it 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 has reached a lot of people. In a lot of different ways,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and okay, let's let's shift from this sentimental track. Let's okay. uh, bring ourselves up to date a little bit here. All right, we, we talked about you know uh, touched on some of the deconstructions that have happened recent mm-hmm. in the last few years, uh, where they've taken the magical jerk girl genre from the uh, uh, more of the Cardcaptor Sakura mm-hmm. s- style stories. To a darker much darker place Mm -hmm. and let me tell you episode modica episode three made me shut off the series for like months before i I was like before i got (laughs) into it again before i was able to be like all right okay i should finish this i was like nope nope I, i don't need i wanted to watch cute girls fight monsters in frilly dresses and then you know Episode three happens and I'm like, God, oh, no, nope. I don't need this I, kind of stress in my life.
0: <laughs> I scream. I, I tell the story. I tell this ep- story every time I do a panel. I saw episode three and I literally screamed. My son ran into my room going, what is wrong with you? And I, <laughs> it was, I, I went on, I went on cause I was doing it for research, but man, that, that hit, I was not expecting that at all but then i realized who wrote it and then now now i know better
1: yeah It, it took a real sharp turn and uh yeah you're like okay and so is this is this was this deconstruction that became popular this darkening of the these series is was it is it you think it's a more of a reaction or is it they're like well we really don't know where else to go with this this genre anymore because we don't want to make cut and paste, you know, cut and paste of Sakura or cut and paste of Sarah Lamoon. We want to try and be original and edgy. And so they come up with these darker stories or do you think the audience is looking for those stories?
0: I think it's both. I think what people need to realize about magical girl series is that they are not always sunshine and rainbows. Uh, case in point, I'd like to point out a little 80s uh, series called uh, Magical Princess Minky Momo, which literally featured the main character getting hit by a car and killed in the middle of the series. And uh, the, I, the, story behind that was that apparently her toys weren't selling all that well so they decided to get rid of her but i think the darkness has always been in in series like sailor moon has plenty of darkness all you need to do is point to season one where just about everybody dies uh and even takeuchi Sama herself wanted to kill everybody off and just have <laughs> one arc, but the Nakayoshi or, or Shueisha was like, no, no, that's not happening. I'm sorry, <laughs> was it Kodan? Sorry, it's Kodansha. Like, no, it's not happening. Um, yeah. um, and I think even though um, I will not discount Madoka as a brilliant deconstruction, because in many ways it is, there were hints that it was going down that path before it was released when it was released uh say um in fact uh what is it my hime which i believe was released in like the early to mid 2000s shonen series is featuring the same thing where girls are turning into magical girls and at the very beginning it just seems like they are doing what they need to do in order to save the world uh but uh and i'm trying to remember this properly what happens is is that uh they have a wish for somebody they care about, whether it's a family member or like somebody they're in a relationship. And if they fail at something, or if they are unable to do something, because eventually it does become a battle royale, uh, the person they care about dies. And I and that show predates Madoka by several years. I think Madoka was released in two thousand ten, something along those lines. Um, and then the magical. Uh, girl lyrical nanoha also featured very dark themes like in terms like of child abuse and and things along those lines uh even though the girls in that series look super cute it gets super dark sometimes (laughs) um but i think um the reason why there's so many dark magical girl series now is because marco was so popular um and that obviously is credited to the writer of the series, Gen Urobuchi, who has done some pretty dark things. Uh, and uh, I was reading an article about an interview that was done when he they were asking him why, like what was the motivation for Madoka? And he said he couldn't understand how these girls, magical girls had these superpowers and there were like no consequences to having such power. And he wanted to write a series that explored that more. And for what it's worth, Madoka does that very well uh, in that it shows the cost of having, of what it means to have that much power and how easy it is to be corrupted by that power. Like I do not want to take away the fact that that series shows that very well. Um, Sayaka's descent haunts me to this day because uh, it could happen to any of us or just just to see her going through that stuff like broke my heart um, and then of course because it was so popular everybody you have everybody coming out of the woodwork um, you know trying to replicate that the success for themselves which it's uh, it's the animation it's it's bound to happen I mean it's oh, yeah. happening with isekai right now right yes. um, here's the thing though like when I look at like Madoka has its issues I and the whole idea that these girls because they have powers must suffer I've always had an issue with that like it's one thing to deal with the consequences of having so much power like of course with great power comes great responsibility but I feel like that 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 series turns it up to 11. Yes
1: yes it does (laughs) yes it does (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it really, it, it really uh, it becomes a stress, it became a stressor for some of us, yes.
0: <laughs> and then you have other series, like um, one series I, I saw that was released about a year or so after Monica, which is uh, El- Daybreak Illusion, another series where it's like this girl has, magical girl has so much power, but she's given this ability where the, the people, she discovers that the people that she's fighting are actually humans that have been corrupted by this the the big bad and she's hearing she can hear their thoughts and she must hear their thoughts as she destroys them which you know puts her into so much exactly and it's like do i'm like do we really have to go down like okay i get it there are there are consequences to having these powers but do they really have to suffer that much yeah and i and i think this is the problem that i really have with people who I mean, if you like Matt Dark Magical Girl series, more power to you. Enjoy it. I, you know, I I've seen some that are done really well. That said, the idea that previous really nice magical girl series didn't show the consequences to having that much power. I'm sorry, it's BS. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, what people have to understand. Is that many of the old school series, save for Cutie Honey, were released for young girls. So therefore, many of them are power fantasies. Yes. When you have these little girls living in a society that expects them to become good wives and mothers, it's not really like that now. But back then, when many of these series were becoming a thing, you know, just the idea that they are destined to become a wife and a mother and you know and you know you have this series that shows them an alternative that that puts girls at the forefront of their own story and um that's not is, is it all sunshine and rainbows well no but uh you know this there's this idea that if it's for girls it must be frilly and pretty and personally i like the frilliness and prettiness now, for all of Sailor Moon sparkles when she's transforming, we also see her cry. In Sailor Moon Crystal, we also see her get stab herself in the heart after she kills Mamoru, who is, you know, who is under the spell of Queen Beryl. Uh, and then in the original anime, just think about how many people she had to see die yeah. before she finally takes on Sailor Galaxia. And you're telling me that there was nothing that showed the consequences of being the chosen one. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure card Cardcaptor Sakura had her own issues with it. You've got to get all these cards back that you didn't even mean to release in the first place. There are going to be times when there's going to be stress. I mean, yeah. I, and I think it's just like this, this I, eh, like I don't want to discount any male fans of a series. I do not want to do that. But I do think that a lot of things that gets passed over or forgotten that these aren't supposed to be, that many of these older series are feminine power fantasies where they give power to the reader and they're able to live vicariously through this person who is able to do the things that they normally could not. Um, Now, that said, a lot of these dark magical girl series are seinen or they're made for like young adults or younger young male adults so when you're in that sort of genre or in that demographic you're there are expectations as to how these sort of series go so I do understand why they're dark but at the same time I do not think I I I do think it's very sort of you know I think it's it's very misguided to discount these ideas that all these frilly or these girl like these series that are oriented that are more geared for girls are all sunshine and rainbows because they really aren't i mean even <laughs> pre-cure you know which is yeah. which people are saying are made for younger folks have those moments <laughs> and where this they are that this the the chosen people are like they take the l or they're they're sad, or they're dealing with a lot of stress in their situation, and uh, you know, I get that. Eventually, there's going to be times where things break off, and and you know, becomes the new thing with magical girl series. Like for say, Sailor Moon, that's what started the magical warrior parts, you know, and and things like uh, Creamy Mommy started the whole like, specialist or magical singer or what have you. Um, do i think like and you know it revitalizes the genre which i get but i also but that said i don't like the idea that people discount all of these older series as being frilly or like just generally like i mean even the power rangers for all our campiness went through yeah (laughs) had those moments where they're just going through intense insecurity or they're it's not just like it's not just it's not happy-go-lucky all the time, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, yeah, there's there's bound to be some angst because they're teenagers.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, um, we will definitely have to do this uh, do this again uh, yes. sometime. Um, we are definitely running over what my oh, time limit would be, but this has been great. Um, let me uh, stay on the line for a minute and uh, let me sum up here. But uh, I'd like to thank you again for uh, coming on and uh, talking magical girls with me. Uh, And if you like what you've heard, uh, please subscribe to WLNM and where we hope to bring you the best that independent creators have to offer. And until next time, keep reading.
0: This has been a WLNM podcast.